Hello, and welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast, hosted by Enterprise Management Associates, an industry-leading IT analyst research firm that provides deep insights across the full spectrum of IT and data management technologies. The Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast will take a deep dive into the security topics that are top of mind for information security practitioners, IT professionals, and technology business leaders. Join security experts Chris Steffen, VP of Research at EMA, and Ken Buckler, Research Analyst at EMA, for some truly awesome topics. Chris and Ken, take it away. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast. I am your host, I am Chris Steffen. Joining me today is Ken Buckler, and we also have a special guest today, Mr. Vince Beck, from our friends at Quantum Exchange. Today, we are going to be talking about what it takes for an organization to be quantum ready. Not necessarily going to adopt the new quantum encryption standard tomorrow or anything like that, but it's something that I've been really curious about. There's a lot of conversations going on. I want to talk to people about what it takes to get quantum ready, why it's important, and some of the things that you can do as a technology professional or as an executive that might make sense in your organization to at least start thinking about that. So first of all, I wanted Vince to introduce himself. Vince, can you give us a brief intro? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and so happy to be here and, and work another, another event with you guys. The um, uh, uh, So my name is Vince Burke. My, uh, my background is actually in... in um, in machine learning, which I which I have over the years applied the proper cybersecurity and cyber hunting. Then, um, in the last few years, I've been started to think about uh, the cryptography problem in general because there's well, there's a lot of issues with cryptography in the enterprise, and it's just probably not as good as we think it is. And then, very specifically, the mode of computation that is the quantum computer, which has the power to, well, to really defeat all cryptography sort of as we use it today. So that's the problems I try to solve and tell people about. And uh, hopefully we can do a bit of educating today here uh, with you guys. Yes. What Vince is not telling you is Vince is a huge nerd. Okay. And and that's great. <laughs> he is one of our nerdy brethren. And I love that about him. Um, but he he's right on with what he said. Right. And, and the reality of it is, is that we don't have a lot of tribal industry knowledge about how to adopt an encryption standard. So, I mean, again, if you were around and during the times where we were starting to adopt AES-256 and triple DES and so on and so forth, well, then you likely have a gray beard like mine. And again, thank you for your participation over the last 25 years. And I hope that your coming retirement is wonderful. But for those of you who haven't done that before, I did want to try to give and pass along some of that tribal knowledge as to why being ready for a new encryption standard is important. And so, Vince, talk to me a little bit about that. And then I know that Ken probably has a couple of questions in that regard, too. Yeah. So so fundamentally, I want I want to I want to take you back to the days of um, of Heartbleed. Right. And we remember perhaps you remember this um, when there was a vulnerability discovered in the OpenSSL library that allowed you know, some amount of data to leak through your cryptography. And you know, the big question at that point was for every enterprise, right? what is the scope? What needs to be done? Where do we start? Where is this implemented, right? And to get a handle on understanding 
where OpenSSL was used and what you were going to do about it, because now you needed to upgrade to a version, right, that did not have the bug. Now, this was a bug in a cryptography standard. If we think about how long that took and what a massive lift that was for most organizations, now think about a place where we need to get to, which is what we call cryptographic agility um, with, you know, new algorithms, new ways of handling certificates, new ways of handling cryptography in general, right? Symmetric and asymmetric. Then you can kind of like start to envision how much bigger of a lift that might be for enterprises looking sort of into the future and getting ready. We have to do, we could touch on that as well, Chris. Yeah. And so let's step back for a second, because again, people sometimes don't remember history and you know, those that don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. The heartbleed attacks that you were talking about, it sometimes took as much as six to nine months to resolve. And again, that was literally just taking and doing an upgrade from a previous version to a new version, a glorified patch when it was all said and done. And yet it still took that kind of effort to be able to resolve it. And so the kind of effort that we're talking about here is at least exponentially more complicated. It is not a, a simple thing to do. It is a, the, the whole next level of having to change the next thing. Again, I'm just trying to set the stage a little bit because we don't all have gray beards. Some of us didn't make it through that and, and are, have to fight our way through all those kinds of, of attacks and, and developments and, and so on and so forth. So again, kind of important to set that stage. Yeah, and I think, I think if, you, if you have that sort of in your mind as a, as, a, as a basis, right? Now think about cryptography as it is used today. Right. We have well, we have we have two types of cryptography, symmetric and asymmetric. We're not going to get into it. But one of the most powerful parts of cryptography is that when I reach out to a website, right, I, I go to Google.com, then even though I have never been in the same room with the Google server, I can establish through a negotiation a a key, and that key allows me to communicate with Google securely without anyone else seeing what I'm doing. Now, this standard, this is an asymmetric cryptography standard, right? Often, uh, you know, there's, there's two that we use, right? One is based on a discrete logarithm problem. The other is based on the, you know, factorization um, of large numbers, right? And RSA, Diffie-Hellman. Um, those standards are both under siege with the quantum computer. And there's a range of quantum computers potentially coming. Some are showing success, others are showing even more success. Like we know that that is happening. And we think about this, I can go talk to a server somewhere else without having to have had a prior exchange with it and I can establish a secure session. That is That principle is used throughout all technology. It's used Obviously, when I connect to a web server, it is used when I connect to an email. It is used when my phone connects to a carrier. It is used for payment, right? It is used for financial transactions. It is used everywhere, right? And if we think about that, and here's really why this is such a hard problem to go and resolve, Chris, it's like that it is baked in. This, this, this cryptography, this asymmetric key exchange technology is baked in the software very deep it is in all your iot devices your it's it's in your refrigerator if you choose to hook that thing up to your wi-fi it's in your car it is in things that you don't think about updating and all of those make use of a cryptography standard 
that is one, not manageable, and two, probably easily defeatable in a matter of years. Well, and that was the conversation, right? We, I mean, everybody understands, you know, when you flip a light switch that the lights are going to come on until the time where they don't come on, and then it's a panic. But by the time that you have a panic, now all of a sudden you have to call an electrician, fix the wiring that the squirrel ate, whatever it is that the problem was, and it becomes a major, major issue. You're down. You, you literally can't do anything in your house because that light's not on or your electric is not working or the, the things that you just expect to work. Your, your water's working, your sewer's working. When they don't, then you have a problem. And when we, we talked about this, Ken and I have talked about this, and I know he's going to ask a couple of questions here, but we talked about that when with the SSL expiring coming up, and that's a whole nother podcast. Go listen to the one from last week or the week before. But the, these things that you think are automatically supposed to work, when they stop working the way that you want to, then it causes major trouble. Yeah. So so let me let me dive a little bit deeper into this then, too. So. You know, Chris was, you know, just talking and you were just talking about all of these standards. And one of the things that is really a, a key in common with all these standards is that they are very open. Now, they might be proprietary standards. They might be copyrighted standards, but they're still open and transparent in the way that they approach it. Now, looking back here at the, the last week's uh, podcast we did, looking back at Black Hat, we just had the, the revelations relating to the Tetra burst vulnerability. Now, would there be, in your opinion, any kind of justification for ever using proprietary closed source algorithms with quantum computing to protect it from that brute force encryption cracking? Um. Well, now you're going back 25 years ago when I first got into cybersecurity. And I was taught back then that security through obscurity is never a good idea. And I, I believe in that, Ken. And I, I think that um, the difficulty that you're dealing with, um, and, and we're going to get a little bit like academic theoretical here. The difficulty that you're dealing with is the fact that um, we cannot mathematically prove that asymmetric key algorithms are ever uncrackable. Maybe one day we can, but, but if we look at, and this is, right, this is the RSA algorithm. If you look at the RSA algorithm based on, you know, how do you factor a large prime, right? The quantum computer can approach that in a probabilistic fashion, right? It's a probabilistic computer that can not necessarily try all combinations at once, but make the correct combinations, the correct answers more likely the longer you run it, right? That's how it works. If you look at that problem, breaking a number down in its constituent primes is a problem that is based on the greatest common divisor test, which is something that Euclid of Alexandria worked on, well, 2,300 years ago, right? So here we have an asymmetric key cryptography based on mathematical methods that People have worked on for over, well, you know, 2,300 years and no, no sort of better way was found well, you know, until Peter Shore came along with the quantum computer. Um, the, the newer cryptographic methods we are talking about are all based on mathematics, right? Lattice-based mathematics that are, you know, a decade old, right? Very, very young. So the problem, Ken, that you're addressing is, well, how do we know 
we cannot mathematically prove that these newer encryption standards or any encryption standards are ever unbreakable and, and you can't, right? So then, then what you say is, okay, well, I'm very concerned. I, what do I do? Maybe I, I move to obscurity, right? I use an encryption technique or I use encryption methodologies and then don't tell anybody about it. Well, secrets have a habit of leaking. What I would encourage an entire industry to think about is why we are so good at building dependable systems out of unreliable parts. Whereas in cryptography, we don't apply those engineering practices. That is really the major change the industry is going to need to see in the next decade. One of the other things that I, I really want people to be really cognizant of and, and keep in mind is that being quantum ready, being quantum flexible, being encryption flexible, crypto flexible it is critically important because the data that you think is safe today that's out there being, you know, either in a cloud bucket somewhere or whatever have you, it doesn't change the fact it is accessible and people are downloading it. And when the quantum revolution comes along, that data that you think is secured and will never be touched is going to be broken. And, and immediately the encryption has the ability to be defeated. I don't know if you're encrypting where you're going for lunch or your social security number or whatever have you, but it is incumbent upon organizations today to be thinking about the data that they have, how it is stored, how it is encrypted, and what it's going to be looking like a few years from now. And that's what it really comes down to about being quantum ready. It isn't just the matter of the technology, because that's part of it too, but it's the processes and procedures that you have for protecting your infrastructure, your data, your people to make certain that when quantum happens, that you are not immediately exposed. No, and I think what you're, what you're getting at here is the harvest now decrypt later problem which is very, very pertinent, right? And this it's actually pertinent today without a quantum computer. And, you know, there is some, some very good evidence if you use Google that shows you that governments are building data centers where, where the entire objective is to capture traffic that is traversing their networks and store it, even though it's encrypted today they might stumble upon a way to decrypt it in the future. And that is, well, the quantum computer or perhaps a leaked certificate, or perhaps they'll discover a bug in the random number generator that generated the key and therefore it becomes decryptable, right? In the future, you might have certain amounts of knowledge that you don't have today that allows you to decrypt traffic you can capture today or store it, you know, or cloud storage files that you can download today despite them being encrypted. And that's why it's so important that you start thinking about what well, cryptographic agility, cryptographic diversification today. Yeah. And the goal of this podcast, and Ken will tell you this too, is that we're not here to scare you, right? That is not my goal. But my goal is to inform you and to at least get you thinking about it. Right now is the time of year where companies are starting to budget. You start working on your priorities for the next calendar year. And it's time to be thinking about these kind of things. So if we've done nothing else today, I hope that you, the takeaway that you get is this quantum thing is a real thing. 
we should be taking and looking at how our data is secured and what it's going to look like in the future. If you take nothing else away, I hope that you take that away. I know that we're running out of time. Vince, any last thoughts before we kind of wrap up here? Yeah, no, and I wanted, I wanted to actually, you know, uh, respond to that by saying, look, right, the, 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 there are tangible things today, right? Like in any change management process starts with the simple recognition that you need to do something because the problem is actually yours and you own it. Then what do you do? If we take a, take a look at that, right? Where is cryptography used today? How is it used today, right? Like the very first step in trying to make a plan for triage and getting ready is to create some level of inventory, right? The very first step in control starts with visibility. And I know, Chris, you and I have talked about visibility and security a hundred times before, but it is really key. Try to get an understanding of how it's used, what processes are wrapped around it, who's responsible for it, build a cryptographic center of excellence in your organization, and try to at least get yourself a visibility fabric with which you can observe. And from that, without a doubt, will already flow immediately the triage that in your mind needs to be done to be at least have some kind of cryptographic sanity around you, right? Where, where are the areas you need to immediately address? Where are the areas where quantum safety needs to be addressed? And where are areas where you can probably be okay for a while to come, right? And so those are tangible things that I would encourage people to start thinking about, you know, sort of going into 2024, right? Get a handle on it. Start thinking about cryptography as something that's deliberately done as opposed to something that is implicit in all the systems that you have and you just hope that it's kind of going to work for you, right? So so that's the really best first step people should start thinking about today is what I would say. That's awesome. Well, again, I appreciate it. Vince Burke from Quantum Exchange. Again, please follow him on LinkedIn. Of course, at any time, if you have questions, you can always ping us, Ken or I, on LinkedIn or through EMA. We're always happy to answer your questions. Again, I hope that this was useful for you today, that you found it educational. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks, Chris and Ken, for all your great insights on today's topic. Make your next podcast awesome when you work with EMA security experts, Chris Steffen or Ken Buckler. Educate your prospects, differentiate your solution, and add the credibility of a third-party expert to your message. Visit cybersecurityawesomeness.com to listen to past episodes.